ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Is he going to bang it in again? Robinson on his way and Cummins is back and plays it on the squirt towards third man. He's running out towards the boundary. Dive oh no. That's it. Field. That's it. It's gone for four. Australia have won an extraordinary victory. Cummins is doing a half lap of honour. He's going to come over and pick up Nathan Lyon. What about that? The joy in Jim Maxwell's voice, the dismay in Alistair Cook's. My days. This Australian side just had its headingly moment. Basball versus Osball was billed as a clash of styles. Aggression versus Zen. Tortoise versus Hare. New World Vibes versus traditionalist Test Grit. Bucket Hats versus Baggy Greens. The full story is more complex, but it all amounted to one of the finest Ashes tests ever played. And we have four more to go in this series and a mountain of questions. Did Ben Stokes and England take it too far? Will they wind it back? What did we learn about Pat Cummins' leadership? Will Nathan Lyon stop insisting that he can't bat? I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. Jim Maxwell is the ABC's voice of cricket. He is in Birmingham, Edgebaston to be specific. Jim, you have covered a hell of a lot of Ashes cricket. Where does that wild Test match win rank among Australian cricket Ashes history moments? Oh, it's one of the best because we won. And most of the time when these Ashes matches, matches against almost anyone has got down to the wire, we lose. So uh, from that perspective, it was an extraordinary achievement to win a tight finish, but to do it in the way we did with Cummins and Lyon putting on 55 for the ninth wicket was just extraordinary. Lyon, rather strange stance of his, legs wide apart, waits for Broad, in he goes now, bowls to him, he's lofted it, what a good shot that is. What a shot. He's lofted it for four. The composure of the Australian captain that Australia won it. He disciplined himself against that bouncing new ball. Robinson, balls to Cummins, who pushes forward and says, right, I'll have that, I'll take the single. And decided he wasn't going to take it on unless he had a bit of room. And in the end, he got the room to fudge the ball away to third man and hit the winning boundary. It really was a miraculous finish to a game that uh, Australia looked like losing when Carey hit that court and bowled at root. And shuffles in, bowls it down the pitch and hammers it back, and he's caught it! He's caught a miracle catch! At 8 for 2 two, seven, it looks like, like the game was up for Australia. But uh, Lyon as well, of course, has to be praised for what he contributed in that partnership. It was a stunning victory. Paddy Cummins, mighty, immense with bat, ball and leadership. He said... Number one, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Start of an Asher series, number one. What do you think this does for his tenure as a leader? Because we know he's been under scrutiny at times, Jim. Well, he may continue to be under scrutiny for the way he marshals his troops and his tactics. Uh, it's all glossed over now that Australia have managed to achieve what they've, they've done and lead the series one nil on the back of, first of all, his exceptional bowling. Hopes. Oh. Bowled in. And the class shines through there for the Australian skipper. In the second innings, alongside Lyon, the two of them 
took Australia from a position where they were getting mauled to being well and truly in the contest, and then they finished it off. I, I, I don't think there's any doubt that uh, Australia have come out of this game amazingly well because uh, there were many times when it looked like they might lose. They lost the momentum, the initiative on the first day when England came at them hard with the bat. Cummins to bowl to Root, wants a single, goes for the ramp shot, gets it over the slip corn. Where's this going? Is it four? Is it six? It's six. He's done it again. And it's an extraordinary shot. They looked like losing it when they were batting. The major difference, probably, if you want to analyse it, is not so much Stokes' extraordinary, almost crazy declaration when Root was going so well on the first day, but the fact that they dropped chances. Anderson bowls. Quarters edges. Oh, it's gone straight between keeper and slip. Straight in the gap and gone for four. Genuine edge. And that's, that's catchable to Bairstow. That's Bairstow's catch. It died by root, but that is a full-stretch dive to the left for Bairstow. He's had a bit of a shocker, to be fair. And a lot of that will come back to an examination of whether or not Bairstow should be keeping wicket. And I, I'm sure he'll be there for the next game, but it's not the best selection. England know that, but they've tried to compromise by fitting uh, the rest of them in uh, around Bairstow returning as a batsman. And uh, they paid a bit of a price on that score because of the chances that were squandered mainly around him. You touch on the declaration on day one. I think many will pick on that as an area to critique England for. But in a test that was seen as a bit of a referendum on Basball, does this vindicate it in the sense that we saw a gripping test fixture? Or does it show that, you know, at times maybe England could temper their approach? I think they probably lost a little bit of judgment here and there. More so today, I think, after Root had removed Kerry with a good catch, that was the time to take the new ball. You had Lyon batting, who could nick off at any time, and, and Cummins as good a player as he is against Broad and, as it turned out, Robinson. An interesting thing, uh, Jimmy Anderson didn't bowl at all in the last 40 overs of the innings, and that might be telling you something about what his situation is with the side as we go through the series. But... That was a big moment because we weren't too sure whether Australia was going to keep pushing to win or play for a draw. And then the extra over Root Bold was when Cummins went after him and hit him for two sixes. And all of a sudden you're thinking, wow, Australia still want to win this game and Cummins is leading the way. And come through it again, Bold, tossing it up and again (laughs) he's gone for the straight drive down the ground. How far has that gone? I think it's gone far enough. It has. That's another six. That was a sort of transformative moment in the, the, the final gasp of the game. An easy joke to make is that, you know, Basball's all about not caring whether you win or lose, but being exciting. So England should just be happy that they made a game of it. But there's an element of truth to that in the sense that they maybe deserve some credit for playing in a way that fed into a stunning game, Jim. Oh, I think they're in a bit of strife. They needed to win this game to set the series up for themselves. And this is this is a bit of a prick of the balloon of, of Basball. It's not going to stop them. That's the way they're going to play. You know, it was obviously very disappointing. But I think if you look at the way in which we played over the last five days compared to sort of how sort of last few Ashes series have gone, it proves that what we're, we're capable of doing against Australia. But whether, in fact, uh, moving on in this series, they have the ammunition, and you need to remember... Uh, the amazing thing about this game is that Australia have won 
on the back of some splendid batting from Kawaja, but a negligible contribution from their two best players, two best players in the world, Labashain and Smith. Ford again runs in, bowls to Labashain, who's got behind! He stands there devastated as we can't believe it. And it's hard to imagine that that will continue. So uh, Australia, in a sense, they got away with this one uh, on the back of that uh, extraordinary performance by um, Lyon and, and Cummins with that partnership. You touch on Kawaja. Just explain to our listeners how immense he was, you know, batting for in excess of 500 balls, it seems like the latest in a late coming of age moments for Usman that we've seen, you know, across the world. Well, his batting was extraordinary. Although you might argue that in the second innings, he got a bit too bogged down and Australia needed to keep the game moving a little bit more. But if you analyse the, the overall situation of the game where he held the whole of the first innings together with a 141 and then again uh, today with 65. Yes, it was a huge contribution. The 50 comes up for Kawaja on top of 141 in the first innings and uh, his vigilant, somewhat painstaking batting is at the heart of Australia's effort here to win the game. I think as the series moves on, Australia are going to have to try and find a way to keep the game moving. And perhaps Warner could help out there because he's going to keep playing for at least one more game, probably more than that. When you look at the scorecard and what Kawaja did and the fact that he's never really scored any runs of consequence in England before, this was a major achievement from him that contributed to Australia's victory. From an English point of view, their spinner has a badly injured finger. You touched on the injury woes of Jimmy Anderson. Their captain said he's physically and emotionally spent. Uh, no, I think it's because I was out on the field for obviously bowling and stuff. I'm not going to lie, I'm physically pretty drained. How much will this defeat take from them? What changes can they make ahead of the second test? Oh, well, Mark Wood's got to play and Anderson would drop out, I would imagine. Apart from that, they'll be going strong on what they've achieved so far, so they won't want to disrupt the side very much. But the truth is that they've come in a bit skinny playing golf in Scotland. Yeah, obviously it's a bit different to Australia because they were playing last week. We were playing golf, so couldn't be further away. It's not the ideal preparation. There's a, a lack of judgment about some of the aspects as as strong and as, as an exciting a concept as this Baz ball might be, you still have to produce the results. This was a, a, a reckoning point, a marker, uh, that in games like this against stronger opponents, you need to do everything right. And if you get the little things wrong, uh, you'll lose. And that's what happened. From an Australian point of view, I mean, you're always reluctant to make any changes to a side that has a win, particularly one as historic as what we've seen at Edgebaston. But can you imagine the Australians potentially making some tweaks to their lineup, particularly the bowling unit for the, the next fixture? Probably not. I think there is an argument for Stark to come in, uh, but Boland probably deserves at least one more game before they make a change. So having won this game, assuming everyone's fit, uh, I don't think there'll be a change. Jim, we are beautifully set up for another classic Ashes series. Thanks so much for taking the time this morning to take us all the way through that first test. We really appreciate it. Well, as I said at the time, this was a win for the ages. 
Just one thing to touch on before we hear the headlines. A question for you guys. Has Ollie Robinson supplanted Stuart Broad as chief pantomime villain in the England cricket team? The bloke Sledge's renowned good guy Usman Khawaja after he makes 141. To get that wicket for, for us at the time as a team was massive. We all won that theatre of the game, don't we? So I'm here to provide it. Doubles down by saying Ricky Ponting did it over a decade ago. Triples down by going after Kawaja on the final day. The comedic payoff, the fact he said this. Yeah, it's something we spoke about as a group. Um, we said once we get to past Cummings, um, we feel like they've got three number 11s. It's something that we can target through the series and, and try and wrap up their innings quite quick. Only for one of those number 11s, Nathan Lyon, to do this. One slip in, broad, bowls to line, very full. Line drives down the ground, that's a good-looking shot, that's four. To be fair, Robinson did say he was here to provide the theatre. Headlines. The final minute origin selection story centres around who will start at number nine for New South Wales. Blues debutant Reese Robson is tipped to kick things off at hooker in a must-win game two at Lang Park with South's veteran Damien Cook to be injected as the game wears on. The other quandary is whether coach Brad Fitler switches Josh Adokar and Brian Toto to the opposite wings they played on in game one. North of the Tweed, the Maroons are considering whether they might start Reuben Cotter in the second row, which would mean pushing Jeremiah Nanai to the bench. And just a reminder, you can catch all of Origin 2 on ABC Local Radio and on the ABC Listen app. Tennis. And Alex Demonor is tuned up for Wimbledon by thumping former champion Andy Murray at Queen's 6-3-6-1. Elsewhere, Jordan Thompson also chalked up a victory, beating fellow Aussie Alexi Popper in 6-4-6-4. And the NBA is still spinning from the news that veteran all-star Chris Paul has been traded from Phoenix to Washington in exchange for Bradley Beal. But... Imagine how much of a shock it was for the guard himself, given he found out the news from his 14-year-old son via text. If he's furious, Paul is hiding it well. He said, no matter how you are with them or what you do, you realise that in this business, nobody owes you anything as it should be. I was surprised too. (laughs) I found out on the plane yesterday flying here for this. You know, in this league, anything can happen, so you just figure out what's next. Pretty classy from the 38-year-old. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. Thanks to Good Morning America for the extra audio you used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.